Hi, welcome. Today we are going to conclude and finish our series that we called Pursuit. We've been speaking over the last few weeks about how people, knowingly and unknowingly, are in pursuit of things like happiness, love, liberty, breakthrough. Last week we looked at love. How people pursue these things and the pursuit of these things is never wrong. Sometimes it's the places that we seek to find these things that can be the problem. The common denominator for all of these subjects or all of these desires that we have, happiness, love, liberty, breakthrough and love, is that there are sometimes lesser versions of what we can experience. When for any of these things, the genuine or the true experience of them is always found in God. Don't get me wrong, there's other expressions of these things, but the greatest expression of all is always found in Him. Today I want to finish with another really important thing that we should all be in pursuit of. In fact, it's something that the Bible tells us that we should pursue. I'm speaking about wisdom. Wisdom is something that each of us need in these daily lives that we live. Wisdom and understanding is something, like I said, that the Bible says that each of us should not be passive about, but in pursuit of. Let me read you some well-known verses from the book of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom, instruction and understanding. I've made it a habit over many years now to try and read one proverb a day because there's 31 proverbs and they're like vitamins that you can take each and every day. But in Proverbs 4, it gives us this instruction. I'm going to read to you from verse 5. Get wisdom. Be in pursuit of. What is it to get? To be in pursuit of. Get wisdom, get understanding. So here the writer of the proverb is saying, be a person that's in pursuit of wisdom and understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. Don't walk away from wisdom and she will protect you. And it says, love her and she will watch over you. Then in verse 7 it says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all that you have, get understanding. Over and over again, the writer of this proverb says to us, get wisdom, get understanding. If it costs you everything, get it. In many ways, he's saying to us, make sure that one of your key pursuits in life is the getting hold of this thing called wisdom. Now, that leads us to a very honest question, doesn't it? Where do we get wisdom? The Bible says that we should be in pursuit of wisdom and in all of our getting we should get wisdom. But where do we get it? Just like the other things that we've spoken of, happiness, liberty, love, there's other places that we can experience some wisdom or elements of wisdom. But the reality is, in comparison to the wisdom that God can give you, every other wisdom is a lesser wisdom. In comparison 
to us being able to access wisdom from God, the creator of all things. Every other wisdom, even though it may sound good, is merely a broken cistern or a broken bucket, a bucket with holes in, in comparison to the wisdom we can know from God. We need to be making sure that as followers of Jesus, we're in pursuit of wisdom, but we're not pursuing wisdom from places that can't give it or don't offer the same quality of wisdom as God does. We all need to make sure that we're building a correct philosophy. Philosophy is an interesting word, isn't it? It seems like one of those words that would exclude people, like, oh, I didn't go to school, I didn't go to college, I'm not a philosopher. I disagree. Every one of us are philosophers. Why? Because we all have philosophies. What is a, philo uh, what is a philosophy? A philosophy is simply to love wisdom. It's important that you understand that you may not claim to have one, but you do have one because your philosophy is the sum total of the wisdom that you're embracing and considering to be true. The wisdom that you're embracing is the wisdom that you're loving and the wisdom that you're loving has become your philosophy, which has made you a philosopher. Did everybody keep up with me there? Now, it's interesting that when we look at the word philosophy, it's one of those words that's made up of two words. It's made up of the word philo. The word philo or philia is natural love. It's a natural love. It's not agape love. It's a natural love. And the word sophia is wisdom or understanding. So when we look at the word philosophy, it's simply the natural love of wisdom and understanding. Like I said, you don't go to college to become a philosopher. You don't go to university to become a philosopher. You have a philosophy, and that's simply, what wisdom are you embracing and considering as true? Because the wisdom you're embracing to be true will be the thing that's shaping your belief system. And you will live true to your belief system. The things that you believe to be true will actually govern the way that you live. But the things that you govern to be true is the result of the wisdom that you've embraced. Can you see how important it is that we're not embracing lesser wisdom, but rather we're embracing and pursuing the wisdom that comes from God. Because if we get God's wisdom, God's wisdom will then shape our belief system. And then suddenly our lives will begin to walk in the direction of things we're believing that are true and not false. So philosophy is the love of wisdom. Again, my question to you is where are we getting this wisdom from? Do you know that Paul actually warned the Colossian church about keeping away from wrong philosophies? So often when we use that word philosophy, we think it's a modern word. No, no, Paul spoke of wrong philosophies in the book of Colossians, and he actually gave a warning, why? Because your philosophies, the wisdom you believe to be true, shapes your belief system. And from your belief system, you get the direction for your life. 
Listen to how Paul placed this or put this in Colossians 2 verse 8. I love the way that he speaks of the power uh, or the damaging potential of wrong philosophies. Now, it carries on with itself here. It says Colossians 2 uh, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive or makes you a prisoner through hollow and deceptive philosophy. What did you just say, Paul? He said, be careful somebody doesn't take you a prisoner or make you a captive. By what, Paul? By teaching you hollow or deceptive philosophies, wisdoms that don't find their origin or source in God. Then he continues on, philosophies which depend on human tradition and the elementary spiritual forces rather than those that base themselves on Christ. There's another translation that Paul says, be careful that you don't open your heart to hollow and deceptive philosophies that find their origins in the traditions of your fathers and not in the ways of Christ. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, be careful where you go shopping for your wisdom. Why? Because like I said before, your wisdoms become your belief systems. Your belief systems govern the direction of your life and your future. Just like wisdom that's wrong can bring you into captivity, wisdom that's correct can bring you into liberty. You see, man's wisdom can so often leave you a prisoner. But God's wisdom will always bring you to great freedom, lasting freedom. Isn't this great news? We, as followers of Jesus, can be in pursuit of a wisdom that's not lesser, but superior. You see, when God says, get your wisdom from me, get your wisdom from my words, from my ways, he's actually inviting us to experience superior wisdom. I'm really inspired by a story that I read about in 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 1 to 15 where it speaks of Solomon and Solomon was uh, one of the sons of David and Solomon is considered to be the wisest man, the richest man and the wisest man who ever lived from then even to now. When they add up today what he was worth. There's still no one alive today that matches the wealth of this man Solomon. But his wealth is secondary to me. I want us to think about the wisdom he operated in because it was the wisdom he operated in that produced the wealth he experienced. Now there's this story where, or this account should I say, where God comes and speaks to Solomon and says, Solomon, ask me for anything you want. Hmm. Imagine if God came to you and this was happening in a dream, just like when God approached Jacob at Bethel. God approaches Solomon in this dream and says, I'm really pleased by some of the stuff you've done, but also I'm still in love with your father, David. And David was obviously now present with God. He says, Solomon, ask me, ask me, 
What can I give you? Ask for anything and it's yours. What could Solomon have asked for? He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for prominence. He could have asked for success. But Solomon responds to God, I ask you for wisdom and understanding so that I can do what you've given me to do so that I can live the life that you've given me to live the very best that I can. God responds when you read through this account that he loved what Solomon had asked for and said to Solomon, surely I will grant you what you've asked for. And because you've asked for wisdom, you haven't asked for homes, you haven't asked for luxury cars, you haven't asked for a holiday vacation pad, you've asked me for wisdom. Because you've asked me for wisdom and understanding, all of the other things that you could have asked for, like wealth and success, they will come to you because wisdom that flows from God attracts every other thing that you need in your life. I love it that straight away you see Solomon begin to operate in this gift of wisdom, this wisdom that's flowing from God. There's that account that suddenly happens where two ladies are fighting over a child. They both had children and one of them had died and suddenly they came before Solomon and one was saying, the baby that lives is mine and the other lady was saying, no, she's stolen it. And there was this argument over who the living baby belonged to and they didn't know how to settle this argument. All of a sudden, brutally, Solomon steps in and says, I know, cut the baby in half and give half of the child to each mother. Horrible thought, right? But instantly, that statement caused the real mother to say, no, 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 the child must live even if it doesn't belong with me. And that showed Solomon who the real mother was. Solomon began to operate in a wisdom that was beyond the wisdom of this world. He started to operate in a wisdom that was beyond the wisdom other people had. Where was he getting his wisdom? Not from the philosophies of men. He was getting his wisdom directly from God. Now stay with me. God invites you and me to find our wisdom in him also. Isn't that incredible? We're not speaking of a different kind of wisdom that Solomon knew. In fact, the same wisdom that God made available to Solomon, that same God makes that same wisdom available to those who will pursue wisdom in him today. You say, where's that in the Bible, Andy? Well, let's read the book of James. I love this verse. Book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, come on, put your hand up. Maybe you're watching and you say, oh, I don't lack wisdom. Really? Look at every section of your life. Are you telling me that there's not a section of your life that you lack wisdom? I don't believe that's true. In my own life, I'm often amazed that in different sections of my life, I can be so wise, yet in other sections, <laughs> I can still be so stupid. Anybody else? I can be so dumb in some sections. So what do I do about those sections? Simple. I come to the God who gave me wisdom for the good sections, and I say, give me wisdom for these sections also. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's every one of us. 
you should ask God, who gives wisdom generously to everyone who asks without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. It's that one statement that I want to grab. If a person lacks wisdom, let them come to God and ask. And God will give them the wisdom, the same quality of wisdom he gave to Solomon. He will give them that wisdom to end their pursuit of wisdom. He won't give the wisdom with judgment or pointed finger, but he'll give them wisdom in great abundance. Wow, what a promise. So, for us who are in pursuit of wisdom, which should be every one of us, because Proverbs instructed us, in all our getting, get wisdom. Are we still trying to find the wisdom that we need from places that are broken or places that offer less, lesser wisdom or partial wisdom? Or are we now turning our face to God, just like Adam turned away from God's wisdom to other wisdom? In Christ now, we turn away from other wisdom back to God's face. And we say, God, like it says in James, Father, give me the wisdom that we need. Give me the wisdom that I need. And then we receive that wisdom with thanksgiving, knowing that God always does what he promises. I can remember the first time that I encountered this verse. I was in a situation that involved me making a decision that wouldn't just affect me, it would affect my wife, it would affect my family, it would affect my home. I was in a moment where I had to make a decision and I was desperate to make a wise one. I was listening to the advice of good friends, I was listening to the advice of experts, I was on YouTube listening to the wisdom of uh, each and every person that was offering it, but I knew that this decision was so important I needed the best wisdom I could get. And as I was praying I was saying, Lord, Lord, give me this wisdom, and he led me to this chapter, James 1 verse 5, and I read it, let him who lacks wisdom let him ask and I will give it to him in abundance, and I can remember leaving my house and going to a field nearby. And I walked out into that field and I said, God, I'm taking you at your word. You said, if I ask you for wisdom, you'll give me wisdom in abundance without telling me off. God, I ask you for wisdom for this situation. All of a sudden, out of nowhere came this thought or this understanding regarding the steps I should take in the situation that was facing me. They weren't in me before. I didn't get them from YouTube. They didn't come from reading a book by a modern philosopher. They came from God to me through his spirit into my spirit, and suddenly I had understanding of what I should do. Yes, it involved faith. Yes, it involved courage. But I realized, wow, yeah, that's wise. That's an abundance of wisdom. And then obviously what I did was I lived by the things that God had told me. And he took that situation, not quickly, it took a number of years, and he completely turned it around for good in a way that none of the advice others were giving me would have done. God wants you to ask him for wisdom. It says in Ephesians 1, 17, that the Holy Spirit 
as well as being a comforter, a teacher, an empowerer, someone who teaches you how to pray as you ought. The Holy Spirit is also the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowing of him. Well, the Holy Spirit isn't just going to give you wisdom and revelation in the knowing of Jesus. He is going to make available to you the wisdom and understanding that you need for the thing or the situation that you're facing. So what am I saying today? As we finish this series that we've been in called Pursuit, we need to be pursuing wisdom, especially in the times we're now living. We need to be coming to God for the wisdom that we need. Here's a couple of questions. Why do people not come to God to get the wisdom they need? Sorry, here's a couple of answers. Number one, and this is only based on my own life over the years, sometimes we think we know better. Listen, the foolishness of God is greater than your greatest wisdom. Sometimes we don't ask God for his wisdom because we think we know better. My friends, that's pride. Don't live that way. Come to God wanting his wisdom, knowing it's always going to be better than yours. Number two, sometimes we don't want to hear the wisdom because the wisdom we'll receive from God will cause us to do something maybe in the soul of who we are we don't want to do. Well, the bottom line for me has always been this. Eventually, you will come to him and ask him for his wisdom. The problem is sometimes we can walk a painful journey trying to do what we want, trying to do it the way we think we should do it. But eventually we find ourselves on our knees. Well, I always have saying, God, my way was stupid. My way was dumb. My way was only partially of any benefit. God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I want to say to you, don't go on those foolish journeys of pursuing wisdom outside of God. Rather, take him up on his invitation. What was the invitation? Let anyone who's lacking wisdom in any section of their life come and turn their face and their heart now towards me. God says, if a person will do that, his response to their pursuit or approach of wisdom from him will be that he will give the wisdom, the same type of wisdom that Solomon enjoyed, to that person without reproach or reprimand, not only will God give a measurement of that wisdom, but he promises he'll give that wisdom in great abundance. That inspires me. Does that inspire you? But in my pursuit for wisdom, I don't want to look any further than God. When I look back upon my life, I can look at different times where I was listening to the philosophies of this person, the philosophies of this counterculture, the philosophies of this person that seemed to know what they were talking about. But so often, those philosophies or the wisdoms that those people represented had a cost that they didn't tell me about. Sometimes they imprisoned me, made me captive, 
from experiencing what I could have experienced if I'd come to the one who made wisdom, the creator of the universe, the architect of all things, the one who to whom there is no wiser, your Father God. Come to him today. If you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, come to him. If you're dealing with, with things in your family, in your finances, and you don't know what the wise way forward is, get on your knees. Ask the Lord. Claim this promise in James 1.5. My confidence is that God will give you the wisdom because he promised he would. The Lord bless you. I hope you've enjoyed this series on pursuit. Don't forget all the previous ones are available to listen to and to watch on our media platforms. Hope you've been in, inspired in your pursuit of God. But everything you need in its truest form, whether it be love, breakthrough, life, liberty, happiness, wisdom, the best of all of those things are found in one common place, or should I say with one common person, and that's God. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, and everything that you are, and you'll find yourself living a life that was bigger and better than you ever believed it could be. God bless you.